Good morning. Welcome to my view from the rim. It's Good Friday, um, April the 7th. I wanted to reflect on the events of the day at the meridian of time. The Savior uh, celebrated Passover with the Seder on uh, the Thursday night before Good Friday. He identified his betrayer and sent him away, and yet nothing is recorded um, other than the fact that he did that. There was no, no commentary on Judas, no anything, whether Christ did that quietly so that the others did not hear. I'm not sure about. He went to the garden of Gethsemane and there separated himself from the the body of his disciples and even from Peter, James, and John. But he asked them to watch and pray with him. And he went and began what was an agonizing, torturous amount of suffering. Suffering that we cannot comprehend. Uh, suffering that was so significant that he didn't want to go through with it. Suffering that was um, such that he cried out in pain came back to find Peter, James, and John asleep. And he asked them to wake up. And Can you not even watch with me this one hour? And went back and prayed again. He prayed that this burden would not have to fall upon him. The agony was so intense. And the suffering that he experienced was the suffering of the entire world. From the very beginning up until the end. I want you to come uh, contemplate that for just a moment. Think about the pain that has been inflicted by men to men or on men. And even the pain that just accompanies living a mortal life, sickness, hunger, thirst, death. Not even including those pains that are inflicted. Fear. 
Christ felt those. And because he was the son of God, is the son of God, I'm sorry. <clears throat> he was able to carry the burden, a burden that would have killed any mortal to bear. The Son of God, the only begotten in the flesh, was able to bear it. But not easily. I want to read from the Book of Doctrine and Covenants, which is a, a scripture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's a compilation of modern-day revelations from Joseph Smith, uh, the prophet of the Restoration, the beginning, and a few others. But this one in particular highlights what the Savior was going through. It's uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 19. I'm going to start with 15. Normally the passage that's read starts 16 to 19, but I want to start with 15, just so you understand exactly what, what we're talking about. This is the Savior speaking to Joseph. Therefore, I command you to repent. And when he says you, he's referring to his children through the prophet. Repent, lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth and by my wrath and by my anger and your sufferings be sore. How sore you know not. How exquisite you know not. Yea, how hard to bear you know not. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I, which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Christ suffered so that we do not have to suffer for our sins. He suffered so that he can comfort us in our times of sorrow. He knows your pain, and he knows mine.
and he asks us, well, he commands us to repent. Repentance, of course, you know, there's the four principles and ordinances of the gospel according to the Articles of Faith, which I've covered here before. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is the second principle. Repentance is an act of faith. You repent because you believe you will be forgiven. It's the first act of faith. That you believe in the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that he has power on earth and heaven to forgive sins. I'm reminded of the one that was dropped through the roof. And with Pharisees and scribes present, he told him his sins were forgiven. And they felt that that was blasphemous. And for anyone else, it would have been. But, as Christ said, because he had been given authority as the Son of God, he had the power to forgive. But just to set him straight and let them understand that that power truly was his, he told him to rise, pick up his bed, and walk. That very same Savior suffered unspeakable horror in the garden. And through the night, as he was adjudicated by the Jews unlawfully and turned over to Pilate at first light, the book Jesus the Christ uh, by James E. Talmadge, an uh, apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ back in the early 1900s. He points out the hypocrisy of these priests and, and political religious leaders, because that's what many of them were. The Jewish hierarchy had been thoroughly politicized by this point actually, since uh, the Maccabees. But the hypocrisy that these leaders clamoring for the death of Jesus would not enter Pilate's house because it was Passover and there might be leaven or leavened bread in the house. Pilate has him scourged, hoping that would appease the mob. He sends it while well, he sends him to Herod. 
Herod mocks him and makes fun of him, finds no fault, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate has him scourged. A Roman scourging frequently ended in death, and if it didn't end in death at the time, usually from infection, death was right on the cusp. And then he was presented, along with a murderer, a true insurrectionist. And the same people that shouted hosannas and proclaimed Jesus Christ the Messiah were enticed to shout for his crucifixion. not understanding that he had to do that. Again, this is an issue of choice, but yet the father knows his children so well that he knew that it would come to that. He had to carry his cross until he could carry it no more. After having been scourged, and mind you, no sleep Thursday night. No food, no drink. After he broke bread with his disciples. He was forced to carry his cross until he could not carry it anymore. And then it was carried for him. These scenes, by the way, if you've not seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, are probably played out there as realistically as they can. And you get a glimpse into the intense torture of the scourge. The failing, but yet not able to die, mortal body of Jesus Christ. You see, they didn't kill him. He was the Son of God, literally. He had to willingly give up his life. He begged the Father to forgive those that were driving nails into his hands and his feet. Who had become the instruments of the mob's bloodlust. He begged their forgiveness of the Father. 
in Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus book, he refers to how they wanted to see him renounce everything, and it broke them that even at the last, when they were nailing him to the cross, he asked for their forgiveness. President Russell M. Nelson put out a video, and I'll link to it. I think I may have done that previously, but I will again, because it's a very important one. The Lord's Prayer says, Forgive us our debts as we forget our forgive our debtors. Our forgiveness in many ways is conditioned on our ability to forgive others. Our eternal progression to become more Christ-like is absolutely dependent on our ability to forgive others. Can we earn the forgiveness of God? Not in the way the world traditionally means that. It is only by grace and mercy that we are saved. However, while our acts of forgiving others, our acts of loving those that hate us, those that despitefully use us, those that compel us to do things against our will, Those acts, just the simple doing of them, does not earn us forgiveness or merit us a place in the kingdom. What those acts do is that they demonstrate our willingness to submit to the will of the Father. Our willingness to follow Him. Just like Abraham was not commanded to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice, to demonstrate to God that Abraham would do it or be obedient and submit his will to the fathers. It was for Abraham to see that he was truly willing to submit to the Father in all things. Christ allowed himself 
to be scourged. He allowed the Romans to crucify him. by his own choice. He had his agency, just like we did, do. But the Father knew. That his son would willingly submit his will to the Father. We are asked to sacrifice a broken heart and a contrite spirit. No more are animal sacrifices desired. They were never desired, but that was the law. We are asked to submit our will to the fathers. And so Christ was crucified. He died. And unlike the two that were crucified with him who had their legs broken, they realized he was already dead and did not break his legs, which was also a fulfillment of prophecy. And to prove that he was dead, they stuck a spear into his side. Also, fulfillment of prophecy. The earth shook globally, by the way. There's an account in 3 Nephi of the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. The veil in the temple was ripped. Truly, the God of nature had died and was taken off the cross and was carried to a borrowed tomb with no time to prepare the body other than to wrap it in a sheet. And then the disciples, hiding, waited. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Is what I'm contemplating this Easter. It's my view from the rim. Happy Good Friday. <laughs>